Welcome back to the Brooklyn Poets Yopcast for May 10th, 2021. Featuring new Brooklyn Poets Professor Carly Hoffman leading our workshop and kicking off the open mic. I am your host and MC once again, Jason Koo. The Brooklyn Poets Yop is a monthly poetry workshop and open mic formerly held at 61 Local in Cobble Hill. During the pandemic, we've been hosting the Yop virtually via Zoom. For more information and to sign up, go to brooklynpoets.org. This month's open mic lineup featured Cassidy Gabriel, Stella Lee, Ron Bremner, Judy Schneier, Frank Rabino, Aishvarya Aurora, Dean Shabner, Kayla Schwab, Harvey Sauce, Melanie Lee, Todd Friedman, Seth Leeper, Yana Kane, Arthur Russell, Serendria Rao, Mike Fersentes, Samantha Marin, Morgan Boyle, and Phil Eggers. And at the end of this open mic, we also honored the late Robin Romeo, our 2020 Yawper of the Year, uh, by playing a recording of his beautiful poem, Preparing for Church, and honoring him with a moment of silence. Uh, We lost a great poet in Robin uh, recently, and we were happy to honor him at this Yop in May. Enjoy the open mic. Hey folks, Uh, we are back for the start of the open mic. Uh, I hope you uh, were able to get a snack or a drink or or just meditate for four minutes and uh, find your, you know, your heart center or, you know, whatever. (laughs) I don't even know why I just said that, but uh, uh, we are back for the open mic. Um, A couple of announcements before we begin. Uh, I wanted to share um, a fundraiser that uh, some people at Brooklyn Public Library have have started to honor Robin Romeo in case you're interested in donating. Uh, Emily Cerniker and some friends at BPL that knew Robin uh, started this GoFundMe, uh, I think a couple of weeks ago to honor Robin uh, by funding some Brooklyn Poets Fellowships. Uh, I, I hesitate to say that. I don't, I don't, I don't want this to sound self-serving uh, because obviously this is donations that, that we're getting, but the the point is to uh, throw some funds to fund fellowships that Robin himself enjoyed. Uh, they've asked that these uh, particular funds go towards supporting fellowships specifically for poets of color and later in life poets, uh, which of course we will do. Uh, so if you're interested in donating, um, you can find this page. I would just, rather than giving you this huge link, uh, I'll, I'll try to put it in the chat, but if you just Google Robin Romeo GoFundMe, uh, you will find the link. Uh, and. Uh, some people have donated tonight already, which is great. Um, okay, so we're going to get to the open mic. Uh, a couple of announcements before we begin, uh, especially for those of you that have never joined the, the open mic before. Every month we record the open mic uh, that we later publish as a podcast called the Yopcast, uh, which you can subscribe to on iTunes, SoundCloud, whatever podcasting uh, platform you use. Um, and every month we also vote for poem of the month. Uh, and the way you do that is by texting 718-374-1953, uh, 
which is uh, my business phone that I almost never check except for these events. So if you've texted me recently at that number and have wondered why I haven't responded, that's because the phone is off and it's probably bad business practice to leave it off. But uh, I, I don't know. I'm just too busy to check. But anyway, I catch up on all my text messages after every YAP. So to vote for YAP Poem of the Month, uh, just text me the poet's name, 718-374-1953. We'll be screen sharing the text of the poems tonight, so you should be able to get a good look at uh, not only the poets' names and how they're spelled, but uh, all the intricacies of the craft that they have put into these poems. Um, the 12 winners of Poem of the Month over the course of the year uh, read at our awards gala in December and uh, compete for Poem of the Year honors, which is also by audience vote. Um, so again, 718-374-1953. Uh, and if you don't want to be in the recording uh, and you're reading tonight, you certainly don't have to be. You can uh, email me and I, I can take you off the recording. Once again, a plea for selfies. If you haven't taken one, we would love it if you would take one and either post it on Instagram, tag us at Brooklyn Poets or share it with me. You can just email it to me at ku at brooklynpoets.org. Uh, I feel like I'm, I'm pretty soon I'm going to be dreaming screenshots in my sleep because I've, I've taken so many of these. I've taken some tonight already uh they're going to be the death of me so i would much rather have your charming selfies especially if you've got pets or you know, plants or whatever books in your background uh no selfie is too charming or awkward to send me um okay before we get to the open mic proper we're going to hear from carly hoffman who's going to read some poems that i'm assuming are coming out in your forthcoming book Actually, I decided to read something new. <laughs> of course you did. <laughs> Typical poet I move. I hate the old poems. Those are from poems. like seven years ago. Yeah, exactly. You publish a book, all the poems are like 10, 20,000 years old. Okay, well, go for it. That's fine. I was just going to read one poem that um, um, came, it comes from, from this prompt, actually. Um, and I... Um, so it's like a mixture. So like I was saying before, I like, I can't, it's hard for me to be like in the real world. If it's something that really upset me, I have to move to like kind of um, a myth or a dreamscape and very Ada Limon-esque um, by, but taking a moment, right. And describing it like how um, uh, Claudia did. And then I tried to put it in a form, like with all that M dashery that Marina was doing. And I did couplets, uniform couplets, but um, I, cause she does the, the mix, the alternating sets in couplets, but I just did couplets. So I tried to do like a mashup. And so this is, this is what, what came from that. But I will, and I, I should say that when I was in high school, um, I worked at a Mediterranean restaurant as a, as a waitress. And so a lot of Orthodox Jewish people would, 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 would go there. And, um, you know, uh, I will, I will say, um, there were some interesting encounters that happened to me just being a woman, um, in that space. And, and, I, a man had, had come up to me and, um, he just, he just, he called me a whore and, um, it was really traumatizing. And I ran to the back and this woman, she put her baby in my lap. And so I wanted to write the other, the other title of this poem was literally just while waitressing at a, at the kosher restaurant. Um, a, a man calls me a whore and a woman <laughs> gives me her baby. And then I sort of changed it to this myth because I couldn't find a way, um, into that in real time. So I kind of, so that's actually the story behind, behind this, so um, yeah. All right, so um, Bible women. Every season 
is good for killing girls. The seaweed black night foaming with stars, a plaque of women's names. Before Mary's a whore, a baby is placed in the frozen birds of her lap, the dignity in being. Every place that hurts you is the season where the sun bursts like salmon on fire. Think of Eve shivering naked beneath the alder, watching God get angry. Is it anger or is it love? All of us doing what we've been trained to do. Okay, thank you. And thanks for your poems, guys. That, that was really inspiring. So thank you. Okay, thanks, uh, Carly. I uh, only read one poem, so modest. <laughs> but uh, that was great. Uh, and as I like to say it to Yapo, I'm like, fuck that guy. I feel like it's a, I haven't said that in a while, but <laughs> for a while when we were doing these in person, I feel like I said that. I say it a lot. <laughs> yeah. There's always, uh, there's always a few poems about that guy that needs to have that said about him. Um, our next poet, our first poet off the open mic list proper, uh, recently won Yacht Poem of the Month. I think that was last month. Was it not Cassidy? Yes, it was last month. All right. So the reigning champ is in the house. Uh, <laughs> go for it, Cassidy. Thanks. Um, fishing is allowed at this location. The New Jersey Division of Fish and Wildlife stocks trout in this water body. They are cold and clean and crave the knowing of fingers and memory of burned tongues. Anglers, please respect the ways in which they are coming undone petitioning mouths skyward and unblinking for your mercy. They're trying to tell you, but you have already swallowed the tyrant leeches whole. Do not litter, do not deface property, do not destroy the vegetation that cries in the loud yellow mornings before we are fed. All brook trout within this conservation zone are holy and will answer, taking abiding heed to the wildflowers croak and the bullfrogs sway and the word made flesh forgive them and release them all immediately. Thank you. Okay, thanks very much. Another amazing poem. Uh, damn good writer, Cassidy Gabriel. Also, you have a lot, you have a lot of fans on Instagram. You're <laughs> thanks. about you winning poem of the month. I, I don't know how many likes that had, but it was insane. Uh, so congrats on being a great writer and also having tons of fans. <laughs> Um, okay, thanks very much, Cassidy. Beautiful work again. Uh, we're on to Stella Lee, who we just heard from at the end of the workshop, and we're going to hear from her again, which is always a pleasure. Go for it, Stella. Thank you. When thinking, what if the wilderness that rushes within the deepest part of us hisses in the night rain flushed? Sour and sharp, it marks the size of hands, arises in the closeness of an aching chest, curses the way a throat can hold so much touch. What if when we think our aching is cracked open to fail, the graze of wind is incapable of anything but beginning, our bodies like wounds from a war never ending, the marks it leaves wild and unbridled, scorpion wind shut up with someone else's foes. What if night is haphazardly close to metaphor, 
and sorrow is the densest wild in us. Then we can think of the thickets, ravines, and rivers as something we fail to hold, just like someone's coming from the other world. What if going there now will leave the marks of pleasure to hurt, and then perhaps we will think of our bodies as uncrossable, filled with heliotrope and vermilion scars, raised like mountains on the skin, we touch with stone sure to grab and hold and devour unmarked terrain thinking helps us disrespect one another. What if this creates a foe from the random meeting of two eyes, helps treat ourself like a thing to be owned, wrestles from the air, land, fire, and wind, the insatiable desire for everything. Will we think our bodies are all that we are and forget the hazard in this thinking? This is how the wounds begin again. Damn. I, I don't I don't even know what to say after this poem. You had me at uh, the way a throat can hold so much touch. What is that, Stella Lee? Where did that come from? And then there were about 15 other lines like that uh, in the rest of the poem. Uh, Amazing stuff. Is this a new poem? Yeah. Did you write in a workshop? No, I was inspired by reading some other poets. So I was reading Natalie Diaz and nice. um, Ross Gay. And yeah, <laughs> that's where it came from. Yeah, I'm not surprised. <laughs> All right. Well, now everyone's going to go read Natalie Diaz and Ross Gay. Like, oh, I need to get some of that in my veins. Uh, All right. Thanks very much, Stella. Our next poet is Ron Bremner. How are you doing, Ron? Doing pretty good, thanks. Um, this poem uh, is a tribute to a poet named Laura Boss, who uh, died last month. Uh, in addition to being a fine poet, she was also the editor of Lips Magazine and the uh, co-host of the Montclair Poetry Series. Um, Laura and I were in the first issue of the Passaic Review back in 1979, along with uh, Allen Ginsberg. Uh, but I didn't meet Laura until 35 years later. And uh, she was one of the nicest people uh, that I ever knew. So this is a cento. Uh, it's made up of lines from Laura Boss's poems. The best lover I ever had plummeted toward me, soaring through the planets like a Matisse tapestry. He painted a picture of me. He made me look like a bitch, but the colors were beautiful. I tried to keep smiling like the mind astronaut you always were, where once there were so many divergent paths, I just celebrated a place to be buried with patterns and layers. We are like a fragile, fragrant, homemade candle. Thank you, Ron. Beautiful poem. Beautiful tribute to Laura. Uh, I love what you did with her lines. Uh, this ending is, is, a, is an amazing line. Yeah, they're all her lines, so yeah. can't take credit. <laughs> yeah, we're like a fragile, fragrant, homemade candle. Okay, thank you. Uh, our next poet tonight is Judy Schneier who has a, a dreamscape, I guess, about dogs. 
Are you with us, Judy? Where is Judy? I am. There she is. Yes. Sorry about that. So I'm going to read um, a cut down version of this because it's so long. And I have to apologize ahead of time. It is over three minutes. So I'll try and read it fast. Dog's dream. How do I know this? Because my dog sleeps next to me on my bed and all night long he makes noises and jiggles his legs, which vibrate the bed in an annoying way. It wakes me up. Calm down, be quiet, cut it out. And he does for a while, but then he does it again. I look over at him and see his legs moving and I know that in his dreams he's chasing a squirrel or running after a ball or jumping up on me when I come in the apartment. Why is my dog sleeping in my bed? Well, that's a COVID phenomenon. I never let him before. That was a boundary I kept. He had his own bed on the floor next to my bed. I would say, go to bed, and he would go there. My son, when he lived with me, let him up on my bed against my wishes. So sometimes the dog would try it with me, but I remained consistent. Go to bed, I'd order him if he jumped up onto my yellow comforter. He would look at me embarrassed. His beautiful golden eyes that people actually stop on the street to admire would stare into my aging eyes that need an eye lift they will never get. He would acknowledge my power by reaching his long body off the bed and onto his cushion. No more. Now if I want him off, I have to say it several times and push hard on his butt to get him off. Then he sits on his cushion, offended, planning to get back on in five minutes. It's my own fault. During this long year of no boyfriends in COVID, I slacked off. It started when he jumped up during Zoom therapy calls, sensing I was distracted by the intense sadness or conflict coming at me through the screen. This was emotion I was supposed to attune to, track minutely, and respond to with skill. I couldn't interrupt my patients to get the dog off. I didn't really want them to be aware I was conducting their expensive therapy sessions while sitting cross-legged on my bed. The dog could read my tone. He saw the way my shoulders hunched and noticed the line between my eyes deepen. He felt it when I held my breath. Sitting on his cushion, he waited for the perfect moment and jumped. Then I found how comforting it was to stretch out my legs and rest my feet on his warm body while listening. My stress flowed down my throat, chest, legs, out my feet and into his fur. And let's face it, there was no one else competing for that space day or night. He was the only one who wanted to be in bed next to me. I realize this will cause me problems in the future. I'm certain of it because it's caused me problems in the past. It caused me problems even when he wasn't allowed on my bed. He'd cry if he wasn't in my room at night. My last boyfriend wasn't crazy about him. He puts his teeth on me, he'd complain. I tried to explain that when the dog greeted him by putting his teeth around my boyfriend's arm or hand, he wasn't biting him. If he wanted to bite you, he'd draw blood. No, I explained, he's just taking you. He doesn't have hands, and that's his way of taking you. Where does he want to take me, he'd ask. I think he wants to take you down to his level so he can look in your eyes. Try kneeling down so you're the same height as him. I don't want to be down on his level, he said. Instead, he spoke sharply to my dog and jerked his hand away, which made my dog more excited and more determined to take him. You won't be surprised to hear that this relationship is over. My boyfriend said it was COVID, that he was too nervous to pod, but I think he was relieved that COVID came along and gave him an excuse. It was hard to date someone who preferred birds to dogs, but I'd have kept trying if he wanted to. He was smart and had a gentle touch that I can still remember. COVID has been an arid desert of touch. 
I'm lucky I have the dog. I actually don't mind when he runs in his sleep. I reach over and put my hand on him and his whole body settles beneath my palm as if I have magical power. When my son was a baby, sometimes he'd sleep with his eyes half open. I'd slide my hand across his tiny face and his eyelids would close completely. I felt like a goddess of comfort and safety guiding him to deeper sleep. Through his paper thin lids, I could see his eyes moving in his dreams. Thank you, Judy. Welcome. Uh, another great poem about uh, dogs. I've read many. <laughs> I've read many great poems by you about uh, either one dog or two. How many dogs? Don't you have two dogs? I just have one dog, Jason. You just have one. <laughs> I just read so many poems. One more than I've, I've populated your house with more dogs. Uh, this is a great poem. Yeah, I've not, I was not surprised the relationship was over. <laughs> like a sign um yeah the, the the pets man like my my cat frankie does this thing where he climbs <laughs> into my office chair and like lies down behind me on the chair he's like and like when you're, you're the image of like putting your feet on the top like, it's like i have like a back cushion like a lower back like a lower back cushion uh and it's it's very sometimes it's difficult to like, I'm like, well, should I lean back and enjoy this? <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, I want to crush him, but uh, it's very, it's very inviting. Yeah. That sounds like weird. a poem waiting to happen, Jason. <laughs> yeah. Uh, animals are amazing. My, my wife just shared, my wife, I feel like her entertainment is she watches uh, animal videos on TikTok, on Instagram. Uh -huh. Send me this video of a, a cat and a baby deer like cuddling outside. <laughs> I don't know. It's a magical world, the world of animals. Yes. Uh, okay. Thank you, Judy. Great You're welcome. Uh, our next poet, the one and only Frank Rubino. How are you, Frank? Hi. Hi, Jason. How are you? Is that, uh, I was noticing your background earlier. Is that? Uh, that's. Well, it's it's for the poem. Oh, okay. So I won't say anything. <laughs> and uh, it may, uh, yeah. Um, some some people have heard this poem, which I apologize for, but maybe not. Maybe they maybe it's, it's good in repeated hearings. This this poem um, is called "Days and Months." I went walking to see how the days and months were coming on the people masked against the plague. I saw Mexican food truck men folding tacos and wrapping water bottles in a napkin, and the napkin clung to the bottle in a wet embrace, and my mind reverberated with my missed embraces and loves I never held from years back. Now I think of the longing that underwrites every minute. A lady's sign said, please help me. I passed her in my headphones and reflector shades, and I turned after her and asked, what's that on your sign? She showed me a baby in a dark uterine void, lonesome and in space, and crying, please help me. I went walking to see the weeks and days down Church Street, and my mind reverberated my prayer, if I would ever pray. I wended through the alley to see the commerce, and I waved in my Adidas hoodie, tech pants, headphones, reflective Armani shades, and KN95 mask, 
into the menswear shop where they knew me even so. I think of the anger that underwrites every minute, 10 years on the graph, and there hasn't been one so tall in badness as this one. My mind reverberated with my prayer, what it would be if I would pray, if it would be words. And I went into the comic shop and flipped through an old Jack Kirby comic about the anti-life equation that creates a psychic tone filling its receivers with baseless dread. And my mind reverberated with my prayer, which had no words. And I went past Montclair books and saw what must be a very wise book indeed called, Is This Anything? And I noticed the taste in my mouth and I noticed the tone in my ears. I felt like a baby in a dark uterine void. And I skipped the Pandora track in my headphones by Wilson Pickett. And I noticed the psychic tone in my mind reverberating my missed embraces. And I heard our fathers and alleluias from Church Street yonder fall dead like a betrayal. I wondered had I skipped the Wilson Pickett track because I must be racist. Feeling my body swing, my shoulders loosen, no words, tired of repetition, but my body felt good, yet I had skipped the Wilson Pickett track even as it was filling me with life. And so I restarted the Wilson Pickett track and my mind reverberated with my prayer. See me, feel me, touch me. Okay, thank you, Frank. Great stuff. Some amazing lines in thank here. Thank you. What is this line at the beginning that everyone lost their minds? <laughs> now I think of the longing that reverberate that, sorry, that underwrites every minute. Uh, amazing moment. Uh, Thank you. <laughs> also the anger that underwrites every minute. Uh, also props for, for working the verb wended into your poem. <laughs> That's not easy to do in 2021, but you found a way. Uh, great stuff. <laughs> um, I love verbs like winded. That's, that's everyone's assignment for now. Everyone should write a poem with the verb winded for next. Yay. Month. I got the assignment <laughs> word. <laughs> okay. Our next poet is, uh, one of our brilliant poets in our mentorship program this year, Aishvarya Aurora, uh, joining us for the first time, the Yop of Mike. Yeah. Um, Excited to be here, really enjoyed hearing and also seeing all of your poems. Um, this is the day my father thought he won the lottery. He spewed from the blue curtained dawn of the bedroom, like buses leaving a station to reach us in the light of the somber late morning. Hair half slicked, brush in hand, he laughed and waved his catch, a card of prescient numbers. Sapna auntie pulled the paper to verify, but us, the kids, began to spin. His mouth and eyes flashed destinations, new car, mortgage paid, best of all, him without the stench of slog, without his stolen gait. No more days of work pulled like ticks from an endless ruler tape. Instead, the finish line. It flew through his mind and fell from that sky at our heads. 
the destinations we screamed. He was going to take us along the blur of us dancing at his feet like potential. Sapna auntie didn't hesitate the moment she broke it to him. The aftermath, I live as an arm snatched back, racing from something hot. I want to forget what money can do, want to forget the other father it knew, his mind not halved, his feet not blades. Let me forget the day that made me a bullet eager to bring the right prey to the door. Thanks, y'all. Thank you. Uh, amazing poem. Uh, I don't know if I'm sure you probably know this. <laughs> There's a lot of research that, that that shows that people that win the lottery are are no happier than people that have not won the lottery and in fact are often much less happy. So uh, I don't know if your father knows that, but <laughs> maybe that would be comforting. Um, yeah. I don't know if you listen to the Happiness Lab podcast, one of my favorite podcasts, but uh, they, they have a whole episode on that. Uh, so I recommend uh, sharing that with <laughs> your father. Um, okay, thank you. Our next reader is another Yop debuter, I believe. Uh, Dean, is it Schabner? With this uh, it's Schabner. Schabner. Yeah. It's your first time reading for the open mic, yes? Yes, it is. All right. <clears throat> Good luck. Um, this is something in a form I've been playing with for quite a while. It's um, essentially five tanka um, with a little head manner, as it's called. Um, riding waves almost too big, thunderous and all disorganized, storm passing far out on the ocean and here, raising swarms of stinging sand, only the gulls, all kinds, and indifferent to their differences, seem on spread wings, somehow gentle. Overhead, the gulls don't care much, it seems, about what I'm doing here. Wind blows, sand everywhere, and sun, just another gull. Overhead, gulls turn their heads side to side as they hang curiously in blue air. Shouldn't I then give them something to laugh at? Overhead, gulls fly bodily in air blue as imagination. I've no feathers, no wings, but watch them that I might learn. Overhead, the gulls understand it's clear something about which I can't know or so I thought before listening to their laughter. Over, gulls float overhead in wind brightened blue, waves rise, summer's wildest peaks. Let them lift me. I'll never be closer to gulls laughter. Thank you. Okay, thank you, Dean. Beautiful poem. Um, beautiful voice too, it's very soothing. Uh, I feel like you should have a show, like reading, <laughs> uh, reading your poems. Um, who is the who is the painter? Who would, <laughs> but uh, somebody tell me. Somebody unmute themselves and tell me the Bob something. Bob Ross. Yeah, Bob Ross. That's what I don't know. <laughs> that's what your voice reminds me of. 
I don't remember his voice. Yeah, it's it's very similar to yours. <laughs> like you should have a show like Bob Ross about writing poems, and then just and then we'd all just be at peace. <laughs> uh, it's a, yeah, it's a beautiful poem, very serene. Uh, another what the wonderful world of animals, uh, probably superior to our human world. Our next poet is the one and only Kayla Schwab, who usually is like the first poet off our wait list, but uh, somehow has snuck into the main lineup tonight. <laughs> uh, how are you doing, Kayla? I'm good. I know. I can't believe I'm like this early on. This is very weird. <laughs> All right, good luck. What was that? Oh, I just said good luck. Thank you. Um, so I wrote this poem recently um actually like started it last yop in Anna Bazitrovich's workshop um so I'm excited that I stuck to it and kept revising it um and it's kind of turned into an experiment that I'm gonna try to see where it goes it's some sound bite poems maybe um but anyway here's this one a Brooklyn side street Bed sheets flapping from fourth floor walk-ups, reggaeton rumbling from above, children stomping and babbling fire hydrant fountains, small razor scooters scratching concrete, neighbors on stoops, drooping with laughter, already drunk before four, boom bap bass rattling the road outstretched, one avenue to the next, trains screeching below, exhaling through the grates, Friends meeting and greeting at cross streets. You can hear their embrace. The air warming still. Sun settles into place. That summer energy, sweet as soft serve. Brooklyn heartbeat rising from hot asphalt. Vibratos of neighborhoods converging to a collective hum. Can you think of a more vital sound to sample than this? Love it. Thank you, Kayla. Thank so are you, are you like recording these? No, I just thought it would be funny to make the titles like okay. file names. Yeah, no, it's an interesting idea. Yeah. I mean, why not, why not record them too? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a great sort of sampling of Brooklyn sounds. Uh, it really makes me excited about the summer. Not that I live in Brooklyn anymore, but I can, <laughs> I can live vicariously through your poems. Uh, yeah, I can't think of a more vital sound than this, so... Uh, also, I was going to ask, what's it like teaching yoga on Zoom? I don't think I've ever asked a, a um, person actually doing this. It's different. I So I started teaching on Zoom before teaching in person, really. Like I got certified right before the pandemic. So that was kind of just like, all right, this is how I'm going to do it. Um, right. I, I don't mind it. Like I definitely am excited to get back in like a physical space with people. Um I think the biggest challenge for me is just like my tiny apartment that's like laid out really weird. And I just like cannot position my camera in a way where like you're just not going to get an awkward like angle of my butt or something at some point during the class. So like, I'm sorry to all my students, but I'm like doing the best I can. Um, but yeah, it's it's good. And I think it's easier for a lot of people to to join and like make time for it that way. So yeah. Well, I'm excited for yoga in person again, too. Yeah. yeah, that's weird to be doing that, like your first teaching experience. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. 
it's gonna be amazing when you do it in person and be like wow this is like <laughs> like i'm on drugs this is so good <laughs> yeah exactly all right thanks very much kayla thank you our next poet is harvey sauce how are you doing harvey Let's see if he unmutes himself this month it's like the five second harvey unmuting himself rule i don't think it's happened <laughs> Okay, can you hear me now? There you are. There yes, I am. All right, now let me find the poem. Uh, <laughs> it's right on the screen. Well, yeah, but I can't, I can't read it <laughs> at that uh, size. I need, to, uh, I need to zoom it a hell of a lot larger than that. So let's see, here it is. Uh, first, I'd like to take a moment, if I may, as I usually do, to invite you all to join Artful Dodgers Poetry and myself this coming Saturday at four for our next virtual open mic uh, featuring Martin Rochek, who is uh, a Czech poet and physicist who will doubtless share with us as he has in the past, his obsessions. Um, you can find us on Eventbrite uh, and register there uh, or through uh, either the Artful Dodgers Poetry Facebook page or my own, uh, hope you'll join us. This poem is called Moving Day. The movers, seven Santini brothers, although you only count six, confidently swear that they haven't lost or broken any of your dreams or expectations. Those lies you foisted upon your children carefully tucked away amidst your breakables, china and glassware polished to reflect some limited recent success in artichoke layers of gentlest green wrapping paper. All the better to preserve the illusion that you and your family are moving up fast instead of just out onto the street. Gawkers grade your moving progress while perched on wickerwork lawn chairs, a buzzardy line of figure skating judges scoring you on both technical and artistic merit demonstrating the now you see us, now you don't jack-in-the-box attitude of air gun targets at a beachfront arcade, the ones that pop up and you have to knock them down to win a stuffed animal, a pink teddy bear of the sort that might get you laid, or failing that, an ashtray. Quotidian envy at your move from nowheresville to practically anywhere else on the globe you can open a Geographica and stab a finger at it, and you're sure to find a more favorable spot for your wheel of fortune. Your ferris wheel of opportunity than this town is makes the grass appear a deeper shade of Kermit the Frog cobalt green. On the other side of the fence, long regarded by snowball throwers as a DMZ. Those you are leaving behind, fearing that Sesame Street is as far as their own DNA is likely to go. Chromosomally shackled puppets struggling to keep upright in a hot sack race. Challenged, I think they call it these days. Destined to run in place while yours still have a shot at Wall Street, High Street. Upward mobility. And that enigmatic stuffed llama they've had their eye on at Coney Island's Luna Park. Your whale of an Oldsmobile shrugs off harpoons of property tax as the moving truck starts to pull away. One Santini brother at the wheel, five in the back, 
with you and yours following closely is a bumper sticker messaging, I've found it. Your children shooting the bird at mugwumps, happy as you are to burn rubber to lose this dump. Antlered bicycles on your roof rack shiver feverishly in stop and go traffic through and around an obstacle course of prehistoric potholes. Local candidates are forever filling with promises. Among them, a proposal to quarterized, abscessed boulevards with chocolate kisses of hot tar pour and repeat as soon as the La Brea tar pits come to Dunsinane, which they never do, unless they come and go in the night after the most tenacious spin the bottler has settled for a good night kiss. Perhaps your new locality will have a more active maintenance crew to smooth your entrance into their community, yay. Hooray, welcome, wagoneers boasting pies and muffins, Girl Scouts planting themselves on your stoop with thin mints, s'mores, your family growing hardy as the state flower, a perennial with staying power. Your wife unpacking her high school French approvingly, je l'adore, just the response you were hoping for. Goodbye, so long, farewell, Santini brothers and their truck. Perhaps this is the time you've made your last move, the checkmate move. Thank you. All right, thanks, Harvey. So did you just move? No, this is entirely fictional. <laughs> How dare you? Not, nothing, that I, nothing that I could ever not get into a van. You know, oh, yeah, there are, however, there were, I don't know if they still exist, the 17th, seven Santini brother movers. Um, yeah. I have seen the truck. I've never utilized the truck. Um, and I've avoided the Santini brothers. Uh, I figured they're probably one of the five mafia families in the, in the city. So you never know. <laughs> okay. Yeah, well, maybe that's where the seventh one, that's what happened in the seventh. Maybe that's what he is. He's out there dumping bodies in the bay. Yeah, I don't know. I've been uh, I've been rewatching The Sopranos recently. My wife has never watched The Sopranos. You should take her for a drive one day to the Pine Barrens <laughs> and dig them up. Yeah, it's uh, Sopranos is an amazing show. You know, I haven't watched it in many years. It really was. And uh, rewatching it, it, it strikes me how much that show is. It's really, it's like it's really not about the mafia at all. It seems like really, it's like it's about therapy. <laughs> Like the whole show, like every episode, it's like Tony's in therapy. And uh, I just, I never really noticed that the first time I watched it, like how much it's centered on, on his therapy. And so, it never really worked, did it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he seems to have a great therapist, but yeah, like the, the results aren't really there. I'm still trying to oh, figure out whether he and his show. family were murdered in Holsteins, which is in yeah. uh, off Bloomfield Road near where my sister used to live. I don't, yeah. don't want to like, well... It's not really a spoiler alert, but uh, the the end of the show, the famous ending. Well, I won't say anything because I don't know if people. <laughs> but but for those of you that that know what happens at the end, I remember the first time I watched it with some friends, and my friend Mark McKee, who's a poet, was convinced that something had happened to my cable connection. <laughs> like, huh. It's huh. just like it's like, cool. What are you doing? Like, turn it back on. Like he thought my TV had turned off. And uh, yeah, that's not what happened. 
Okay. Uh, if you have no, if you haven't watched that show, you have no idea what I'm talking about. But uh, I encourage you to watch Sopranos. It's a great show. Uh, all right. Our next poet. Uh, sorry, we skipped Lupita because she had to leave because of a, a family emergency. Uh, our next poet tonight is Melanie Lee. How are you doing, Melanie? Okay. Great. Okay. Hi. <clears throat> Awake. I wake widespread with rest. Sweet on the puffs of my white quilt, mountains of minutes before dawn. It is probably early. I won't look at the clock. Sleep's patterns. I'm after them. My halls are dark and quiet. No lamp or nightmare. I lift my head to be sure. Drips clop into the yard next door. Rain did come. Light ghosts around my curtain. High up, charcoal sky, deep like my sweater from the thrift store, fills the corners. These clops, these clops steady my resolve during the hours. I am grateful for such tiny things. Amazed now, I see a shopping spree, bright empty streets, walls, terracotta dashes, and blue strips my other dreamer, dreamer paints. I am as ready for meeting as rain. I wake surprised. A cool gray sky has replaced charcoal. It is light up there like my quilt. And no one here had nightmares or is awake. Thanks, Melanie. You're welcome. How early, how early do you get up, Melanie? Well, now I'm getting up earlier than I did then. Um, Although that was a very early morning. I don't know, 5.30. 5.30, yeah. That's when I've been getting up. I mean, this year has been... <laughs> so there were some times during the school year I'd wake up at like 4. And I would just like be yeah. wide awake. And I'd be like, well, I might as well get up. It, it can be 4.30. Yeah. It, yeah. Um, but this was pre-just... I wrote this during the class that I took with, uh, I started it in the class I took with Je um, Jess Greenbaum. Okay. And that was right. before COVID, right? I think it was. I can't remember. <laughs> You're talking I about think it was. It feels like it's 20 years ago. Yeah, yeah but it was early. Yeah. She also gets up really early. She has a lot of poems about, uh, in fact, I think reading her last book made me want to get up earlier. <laughs> it's there, true. There That's a really great book. About, yeah. I love that book. Getting up before dawn is really is really great. I don't know how many of you are morning people, but if you should try, it's great to get up before it's even light out and no one else is awake in the house. Sometimes my wife will get up early and I'll just be like, go back to sleep. <laughs> I want I want to be alone in the kitchen <laughs> with my book. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, thanks, Melanie. You're welcome. Our next reader is uh, one of the poets already of Sunset Park, Todd Friedman. How are you doing, Todd? I'm okay. How is speaking New York? It's great. Lots of deer, you know. Vegetation has grown again. It's really, I mean, it's really beautiful up here. Glad you made the right move. Yeah. I mean, I think so. We'll see. Talk to me in a year. <laughs> okay. Summer's painting with my brother. You were just a skinny 14-year-old punk when you first came up from Florida to New York. And I sent you into that god-awful bathroom in the factory 
which was flaking so badly, it was as if someone had taken a giant potato peeler and left the shavings hanging. You spent a whole day <coughs> scraping the high ceiling and the walls, and then another two putting on a primer and two coats of paint. You weren't too happy in there, but hey, I wasn't going to let you loose on the road before you'd proven yourself in the parking lot. Who would have thought that you'd go on to voluntarily paint rooms in every place you've lived since then? And now, as you're nearing 60, you even drove up north to help paint your daughter's new house, even though you had spasms in your neck and an aching back for days after that. I like to think that I imparted a lifelong skill to you. But this poem would not be complete if I didn't take us back to that college dean's house we painted when you were 19. This time I actually paid you. And when I gave you $160, you said, this is more cash than I've ever held in my hand. You kept staring at it and insisted, we're going to Broadway with this money. But you know the best part because we've played it back so many times. How the dean took me to the side in the driveway and asked me be, to be the one to paint the trim in the bedroom. I said my brother could do it easily, but with a wave of his hand, he said, nah, he's just a schmira, and he named you for life. Great stuff, Todd. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> I really, I feel like I have a new appreciation for this poem just because I've been painting my, my house in Beacon, and uh, it's the first time I've ever, I've ever painted painted uh, at all <laughs> so it's been a learning experience and uh it's definitely uh i don't know if i'd call it a meditative experience but it's definitely kind of spiritual in a sense uh and you definitely get into it just like i think with any kind of contact with like a, a sort of tactile craft um you know i feel like you really learn your your house it's like you, you get to know your house you know like you notice things you, you didn't notice before you painted you're like wow this wall is really fucked up <laughs> this trim is really fucked up like what the hell was the previous owner doing um you are right so, yeah so i'm not surprised your your brother got so into it but yeah schmirer i feel like anna's a schmirer i don't let her touch the trim <laughs> she's a really bad roller too like you you, you really got to watch a lot of videos to, to and then do it a bunch to uh to get a handle on it um it's like terence hayes's craft lab last month where he, it's like uh the the um the what was it, the vico quote that like uh you have to make something to know it and uh, it's very true um yeah you don't i mean it's like poems like you don't really know a thing until you've you've made it at least several times and then you realize that like things you could have done better <laughs> you've already painted the walls you're like ah oh, fuck could have done that one better. I wish I'd watched that video first. Uh, yeah, I feel like I watched some less good painting videos before I started, and then I watched some better ones. So Todd, like, how did you get into painting? Was that was that a job you had, or did you just get into it? Um, I um, I started working in in people's houses and just evolved into it. Nice. And uh, you're making. 165. So what was the what was the hourly rate back then? I don't know, but I, I never made good money because I was too slow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're probably faster than me though. If you if you were like a prof you were basically a professional, you know, 
I don't know. Sometimes I watch these videos. I'm like, how do they do that? I'm just like, what? They're just like, yeah, now it's done. <laughs> like painting a ceiling. I would never want to do that. My Lord. Yeah. Okay. Uh, sorry to take over the op by talking about painting for like 10 minutes. But <laughs> I blame Todd. Uh, great poem though about painting and your brother. Uh, our next poem up, uh, a poet up, I should say, is Seth Leeper. How are you doing, Seth? Doing good. How are you doing? I'm doing good. All right, here we go. <laughs> so um, a few things. Uh, this is kind of an old poem. Um, Happy Mother's Day to everyone, but it actually has nothing to do with that. Um, it's from an old project um, that I wrote into that was inspired by Paintings of Voids by the artist Dusty Langer. Um, and I was really fascinated by just um, the elasticity of a void. It could be a person, it could be an addiction, it could be so many things. Um, and then I guess the last thing to say about this is um, it's probably not safe. Well, it's probably not child friendly. So if you have any children tuning in, you might want to just ask them to uh, play with their teddy bears and things instead. So, all right, so here we go. <clears throat> Motherlands, I love you but I can't talk to you because when I speak, my mouth emits nonsensical symbols. And when you speak, a plane emerges beneath that dusty layer they call the void, but is really just the tip of a black hole I fall into every time you enter me abruptly, a rude awakening, no lube, but look, you're a phoenix in the afternoon. When you come, it gives me wings so I can touch angels' feet, but only the souls, because to grasp more is to intimate ownership, and you can't own that which springs from the void, unbidden and protected by a thousand magi zipping and doodying with magic markers that fill in the gaps where our tongues disconnect and launch us back to our places of origin, which are usually called motherlands. All right. Great stuff, Seth. What a rush. Uh, love it. Love the whole thing. And your intro, too. It's <laughs> great. Uh, okay. Uh, I love these poems you've been reading at these last several yops. Like the, there's just a jolt of energy. Uh, and thank it really you. keeps me on my, my, my screen scrolling game. So I thank you for that. Yes. Always have your seatbelt ready. <laughs> yeah. It's a good finger calisthenics. Uh, all right, our next poet up is Yana Kane. I guess her, her name is on the end of Seth's page, but uh, we'll just have this sort of that's, that's, that's fine, yeah. I'm, um, actually, you pronounced it, uh, Jason, the way very close to how it used to be. It used to be Yana Kane, but yeah. in English it became Kane. <laughs> yeah, well, I asked you once and you said Oh, Kane, okay, so well, like, well I'm impressed. That way, yeah. Okay. So um, I have been, I just finished taking a class, uh, Portals into Language. Um, uh, Ariel Francisco was teaching this class and I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, and so this, this kind of came from, uh, from that class. Uh, so it's called Filling in the Blanks. If you can scroll it up a little bit, then I can read it. I don't remember it by heart. So it's a poem that has three parts in it. Filling in the blanks, first, a day in January. My parents still remember, still celebrate my birthday. I go along grateful to have them make a fuss. The day on the calendar hardly matters. I had first arrived in a land, a language that did not want me, us, 
our kind. Semitic named outsiders bookish, lacking in fervor, not to be trusted. The precise date was necessary to fill in the blank born on in my application for an exit visa. November 1978, permission granted. Three weeks to put our affairs in order, let go, unravel the past and the future. Relief, fear, grief, there isn't time for any of that. You know the rules. No coming back will be allowed. Letters, phone calls will be censored down to nothing. Every goodbye carved in stone, cut, 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 keep steady, do not look at what you're doing, set this aside. Until the very last moment, doubt. Will the system really open its jaws? Really let us go? Crossing the border, stamped with finality, date of departure. March 6, 1979. Emerging from the night, a vast glittering of lights. Belts buckled, seats upright, my family, reduced to three, my parents, me, squeezes close, sharing the small window, eager for every glimpse of the opening land. As if we were triplets, the same day brings us into this world. Thanks, Yana. It's a beautiful uh, triptych of poems here. Um, Thank you. Yeah. Uh, I just wanted to highlight this phrase. I love this this characterization, lacking in fervor. <laughs> just, it's kind of just a hilarious thing for, for people to think uh, about uh, people they perceive as foreigners. Um, I feel like uh, I've had a few people think that of me as an Asian American. <laughs> well, that Jason, he's fine, but he's lacking in fervor. Yeah. Well, I, I sincerely <laughs> hope that this country is not going to be, you know, demanding whatever fervor from, <laughs> from people. Yeah. yeah, how dare you demand fervor of us? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> haven't uh, sunk that low fervor. yet. Yeah, exactly. What should we have fervor about right now in this country anyway? <laughs> um, okay, uh, well, I guess we're, we're going to keep doing this thing where the, the name of the next poet creeps on. <laughs> page uh well at least uh, the next poet knows they're reading next uh arthur russell how you living living honestly jason how are you living all right good to know i'm, I'm trying to do the same all right go for it well i did want to um echo what ron bremner said about the loss to our northern new jersey community of laura boss she was uh, she was an amazing leader for a long time in a quiet way and in a funny way and she'll be missed. And also to say that I really miss Robin Romeo, my uh, subsequent Yawper of the Year. And um, um, it really was a blow that he, he was gone. And then I wanted to shout out how happy I am that I have dragged my New Jersey friends, uh, Frank Rubino and Yannick Kane-Esrick and Ron Bremner all with me to Brooklyn in a reverse migration that, uh, that I'm very proud of. And, uh, and to thank Carly for a great workshop. I really enjoyed it. 
I just came out of um, uh, Josh Megan's sonnet workshop, and uh, uh, I highly recommend him as a teacher and the sonnet as a form. And I don't think a sonnet's ever won poem of the month, but who knows? Could happen. After midnight, the bell will lose her tongue, the pump his prime, as evening takes the ragged night in trade. Resist returning to the bed unmade, safekeeper of uninventoried time. Come home with me and plant your seeds of crime. Come through my door and bring your masquerade. The night is nearly done and I'm afraid. Come, walk your fingers up my ribs. Come climb the still familiar rungs that trust forbids, the steeple to its point above the choir, the stairs up to my bedroom. Close the drapes, lie down, lie down. The dawn is only fire. Come close your eyes, we'll give the light our lids. The shadows we see through them are our shapes. Okay, thank you. Uh, it's a seductive poem, Mr. Russell. Nicely done. <laughs> um, so, uh, did you have a, I mean, what was the assignment here? Just to write a sonnet? Oh, without, all of Josh's assignments are the same. Write a sonnet. <laughs> write a sonnet. <laughs> uh, you know, he said write an Elizabethan sonnet, write a Petrarchan. This is a Petrarchan sonnet, right. but it, you know, it has yeah, so this is Petrarchan. Sometimes he said, write three sonnets and make them into a crown of sonnets. And all the time he was, I think what's amazing about him is that it's sort of like what Jay was teaching in his first craft talk about the use of meter, even if you're not going to be a metrical poet, uh, that there's, there's, there's benefits that come from understanding meter and, and, and hearing it when it's happening. So, uh, you know, I've always written kind of rhythmically, but Josh really taught me a lot about writing metrically, and I appreciated that. And then the, there's the rhyme, you know, another thing that we're not too fond of these days. Well, you've done a nice job in the, the iambic pentameter, my friend. So uh, kudos to you. Good Thank display you. of craft. Maybe tonight will be the night for the sonnet. We will see. I never thought about could, that. Yeah, it could sonnet. happen. It could happen. Every one poem in a month. Never happened. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, thanks, Arthur. You're welcome. Our next poet is Serendria Rao. How are you doing, Serendria? I'm doing well. Thanks, Jason. Uh, so I thought I'd read a poem about my mom because uh, we just came out of Mother's Day. Um, it's just a list poem. It's <laughs> pretty straightforward. <clears throat> it's called All That's Left. This is all that's left. Glass bracelets, worn saris, old lipstick, address books, album stamps, Nikon camera photographs, pruning shears, aster flowers, ashvibhuti, kumkum powder, Frayed skeins of yarn, torn greeting cards, Dave Anand films, Asha Bhosley songs, dosa recipes, sewing needle threads, blocks of jaggery, King's Hawaiian bread, 
Kala lilies blooming, Lord and Taylor jackets, silver puja vessels, Maggie noodle packets, Davanam store earrings, grade school dioramas, Diagaraja kutis, daily suprabatham, Super Bowl passed by Aikman, ornaments in the attic, miniature house you painted, Kannada that we practiced, Sabuadana Kichidi, textbooks on neurology, one dismantled Christmas tree, idlis that we eat with ghee, stories by Arkane Arayan, Deepa wicks set next to matches, jasmine flowers, threading garlands, furnace of cremation ashes, jars of lime and mango pickles, yellow rosebush that you planted, Abhishekam at the temple, and the deaths or death rites we have chanted. This is all that's left to me, all that you have left to me. Wonderful poem, Surendra. It's really a great form you devised here and the rhythm of it, uh, but just great phrase making here. Uh, Thank you. Yeah, it's a great tribute. Um, I like how your reading picked up like halfway through (laughs) the the rhythm took over. Um, Okay. Uh, Thanks very much, Surendra. Beautiful poem. Uh, Our old friend Mike Forsentes is back. How are you doing, Mike? Hey, doing good. It's good to have you back. Your stash is looking great. Oh, thank you. So glad to be here. <laughs> All right, go for it. Okay. Um, this is a poem I wrote. Uh, but the first poem I wrote during quarantine or finished during quarantine. Uh, it's sort of a gay poem about Bruce Springsteen. Uh, yeah. You sing. I've got a bad desire. I'm like, you too, man, that's a mood. And by mood, I don't mean a temporary state except in the way that fire is temporary. It is, then it burns until it isn't. You sing, everything dies, baby, that's a fact. Maybe everything that dies someday comes back. And I wonder if I'll ever see my exes again. And I wonder if I'll ever wonder if I'll ever see you again. This desire always comes back like a bad get that metaphor. All coin is good coin. I never full up, never at my limit for wanting. Tramps like us, baby, know what we were born for, but don't always know the direction. I mean, how I don't know if I want to sweep you up in my strong arms or be swept up in yours or both, an endless fractal of muscle and sweat. You sing, got a wife and kids in Baltimore, Jack. I went out for a ride and I never went back. Flowing. I took a wrong turn and it just kept going. The heart is hungry and the flesh is weak. All right, thanks. That was awesome, Mike. Uh, I feel like you channeled Bruce. You, you look a little like Bruce tonight with the like the the Jack. The oh denim. yeah, I was like the denim vest feels like an important important part of this piece. <laughs> Did you wear that on purpose or was it just incidental? It was like. I do wear it a lot, but today it was on purpose. <laughs> well, it looks great. And uh, I love the poem. Uh, right. oh, I should also super quickly uh, oh, yeah, go ahead. mention, uh, I'm hosting a reading tomorrow night. I'll drop a link in the chat. Uh, it's got Brooklyn Poets favorite, Kyle Seamus Brosnahan in it. So uh, if you Seamus is enjoy back. him as much as I do, another, another, another mustachioed Brooklyn Poets right. you know, champion. So Where's he been? What what, do you, what did you just say about about Seamus? Oh, hosting him tomorrow night. Uh, Where? Yeah, I'll drop the link in the in the uh, the chat here. Great, thank you. I was in grad school. Yeah, he's taking. I think he's taking. So definitely come to that. He's yeah. amazing. 
he's either still taking classes or he's he's just stopped liking us. But uh, <laughs> I'm just gonna assume it's because he's taking classes. Okay, uh, our next poet is Samantha Mare, one of my former brilliant former Broken Poet students. How are you doing, Sam? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'm so happy to be in this space. It's so nice to end a Monday. You know? Yeah. It's great. It's great. I, I love all these poems. All right, go for it. Um, so this poem is a persona poem that I wrote recently. Uh, the speaker is New York City. NYC demanding tribute 2015 after Emma Lazarus. Bring me your tired, your poor, rich, queer, flamboyant, refined, hustling, trashy mess of a child. And I won't do anything but hold you. Reflections of you in the eyes of the multitudes you encounter on the subway platform, in the bodega, at the laundromat, in the food pantry line, at the rave. How many thousands of yous do you recognize daily? How did it feel, that recognition that allows you to breathe into yourself? Not too deeply. Its stench is often toxic, often too alive or barely living, rotten. I will teach you to avoid the empty train car and notice how the feeling of a rush hour miracle soon gives way to my messy innards, bursting at all ends. This is not a feathered bed, an extended hand, a safe place to bear your heart and rest. I require stamina. On Saturday night, we lift off and we wade through our my shimmering crowds like schools of tuna in the stars. Purple, orange, yellow lights beam down illuminating your exposed belly as you saunter to my beat from the bar with a cold, sweaty drink. I planted a man there who says, you look amazing. I make you artificially transcendent. You inhale acceptance in technicolor off the keys of strangers we manifested earlier. I was there with you, stuffed between young free womanhood in the backseat of a green taxi. We are there on the Manhattan Bridge, suspended from far from home, gravity, and guilt. On Sunday afternoon, you sit alone in space, resting on puffed up resilience with delivery iced coffee and a bacon, egg, and cheese. You are not ready to dream of the dense sublime and a cup of coffee handed to you in a bed, or the quiet ecstasy of pressing against the back of a trusted soul. I am a place not a happy hand that moves through the air, through the, to the quiet, confident rhythm of your heart, to land against your forehead, into your palm, against your back. I am a place with claws dug into you, staring into your eyes, on alert for signs of weariness, so that I can dig, dig, dig. Okay, thanks, Sam. that was great. Uh... Yeah, New York City needs a voice too. <laughs> During all this, really captured it very well. Um, I like the demanding part of the tribute. It's a very New York verb, demanding tribute. Uh, you know, it's like it wouldn't happen any other way. But uh, so many amazing moments in this. Uh, I make you artificially transcendent uh, and puffed up resilience. Uh, all right. Thank you, Sam. 
thanks for helping us end this Monday night on a good note. Um, we've got one more poem from the uh, main lineup, uh, and then we're going to play a recording of Robin Romeo reading one of his poems. Uh, this is one of our former Yacht Poem of the Month winners from this year, Morgan Boyle. How are you doing, Morgan? Hi, I'm doing well. All right. Yeah. Go for it. Okay. Uh, 17 years of cicadas. They are coming. The bugs are coming. 17 years is up, and we are all standing on a ground rumbling with them. Larvae on larvae, grubs on grubs, all white and blind and squirmy. But now they've got their wings on and the exoskeletons are getting hard, prepping to crawl out and scream and fuck and scream and fuck. And it's going to be a summer of screaming and fucking. When I was young, I wanted their bodies to be blue and their eyes to be blood red. But the bodies aren't blue and the eyes are almost too bloody. I would gaze obsessively at the page of my insect encyclopedia, imagining that special 17th year, the year they would finally be done growing, the year they would crawl out screaming. I dreamt of my own 17th year, of my own final growth, thought that'd be the year, my year, peak year, the year I'd crawl out, crawl out of the ground pretty. Hair like the sun and big moon eyes. Grub self left in the ground, flying off screaming to the heavens. Crawled out and said, 17-year-old Gregor Samsa. I screamed into the sun and still nothing of me was blue. Spent too much time dreaming of cicadas. Came too true. This morning, I read a thread on Twitter about a swarm of locusts so big it blotted out the 1875 Nebraskan sun. 1,800 miles of locusts long, one-third a mile of locusts high, a cloud covering the people, the land, eating everything. This cloud has engulfed my entire goddamn morning. The sun, the sun, look at them now, the sun is gone. So many small bodies, close together, flying together so close now to blot out the entire sun. Imagine how dark a cloud, how thick a swarm has gotta be to look up and it feels like you're never gonna see the light again. By 1902, that whole swarm, the entire species was fully extinct. Cattle hooves and wagon wheels and a few years of outward expansion. And the sun's shining and the locusts are gone. Extinct so long now that no living entomologist has seen one. So now it's 2021 and the cicadas come every 17 years. But it seems like every year is the 17th year and every year we hear about them coming. We are waiting with our breath held tight for the first screams, Rio, Rio, Rio. In late May, early June, by the trillions, can they gather enough bodies and pregnant air and finally maybe just blot out the sun? Maybe this is the year the calendars align and the cicadas all come at once. A sunless summer to be pale and withery, caught under a cloud of cicadas. Hold on, baby, it's the next plague. It's the New York City lockdown sequel. Welcome to the roaring 20s, but the roar is all wings and air and the screams of the swarm. We are living in a world stuck on an earth where under our feet we walk atop the growing bodies of the sound to fill us for the next number of months until it grows cold and they all burrow down to sleep for the winter in the next 17 years. I've learned to love them. 
The big ones with their screaming voices atop the trees almost never come down. Expect to sprinkle shells like golden brown popcorn husks, gnarled crackly skin with legs akimbo, husks that my father used to hook on the back of my shirt and leave there till I grabbed it off hours later, my eyes lolling, mouth quiet with horror, crunch them under my feet to make sure they were dead, convincing myself they were never living while they touched me. Once I saw one come out of its shell, pearly white in the sunshine, legs folded in, hardening through the day, Dracula rises from his coffin. I wanted so badly to be fascinated, but I hated it. Oh, how I hated it. I stared it down, holding onto the mower, heard the growling sound of the engine, felt the power of the swish of the blades, tipped it back and ripped that thing right up. Felt guilty that night as I laid in bed listening to the screams. Felt too much like family mourning a loved one. A violent death, all cause I was too scared of that milk white body rising from its own skin. All morning I've thought about the masses. The bugs are coming and I wonder if this summer we're all gonna scream and fuck or if we'll even see the sun. Maybe when it gets cold again, we'll all crawl down together. Haven't been sleeping too well lately. Keep waking up in the middle of the night so, so cold. Maybe that's the answer. Burrow down near the core, let the earth radiate me. 17 years surrounded by dirt and milky orange-eyed blind. We'll all go down together. Fuck my 30s. Maybe I'll see the sun again when I'm 46. Maybe I'll rise up screaming. Wow. Uh, <laughs> thank you, Morgan. You've just been slaying us lately. Uh, you've just been writing these epic poems the last few months. Uh, Every one is like its own universe um <laughs> fuck my 30s indeed uh it's like strange delightful landscapes you've created 17 years 17 year old gregor samsa <laughs> um okay amazing stuff again morgan thank you thank you um, I have to apologize to Phil Eggers. I just I just happened to see Phil's face on the screen and I'm glad I did because I suddenly remember he was on the open mic list and somehow, uh, I don't know if it was, I think I was, I'm guessing it was my error, but, uh, but we didn't have your poem in the doc, but uh, you can certainly read now, Phil. Um, do you have your text? Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna try and do screen sharing. I've um... It says the host is stable participant screen sharing. So it might not be the most doable, but I'm, I'm here to read all the same. Can you turn your volume down a little? You're very loud. <laughs> I'm gonna uh, how is that? Is that okay? It's still really loud. I don't know why it's so loud. But... It's, I have a, that voice that does that sort of thing. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll try and lower the tempo of my voice. All right, hold on. Let me see if I can... Uh, okay. Well, you know what? Why don't you just read your poem? Just, uh, Sounds good to me. Um, so this this poem is for at, ooh, this poem is for and about a lot of people, um, but it's specifically tonight dedicated to Tim and Lauren Gerber Fleury, friends of Brooklyn Poets Yop, who I miss quite a lot. Uh, and this poem is called "Your Heart and Ocean Vuong in Cobble Hill." In 2017, a friend will ask if you would like to accompany her to hear Ocean Vuong read from Night Sky with Exit Wounds at Local 61 on Bergen Street. But she isn't your friend. 
not yet. Nights earlier, the two of you went on a date, or you thought it was a date, until your second beer when this not-yet friend tells you she has a forever roommate and shows you the ring on her third finger to prove it. So when she invites you out, you hesitate, but go. And there, your not-yet friend introduces you to a woman who is long and beautiful, and you try to ignore her, but the woman who is long and beautiful comes on to you. And the next day, the two of you take a walk through Central Park and give praise to the daffodils and pick a movie to see without care just to find somewhere dark to kiss each other's cheeks. And you fall in love. And you and the woman who is long and beautiful and your not-yet-friend and her forever roommate spend the summer at Rockaway Beach. And after five months, the woman who is long and beautiful will leave a paper bag of all that you gave her under a picnic bench at Cobble Hill Park and she'll hold your hand and tell you that it's over. But one year later, you'll share one final kiss outside of Congress Bar on Court Street just to wish each other well, and that will be the end of that. Except that through it all, your not-yet-friend and her forever roommate have become two you could not do without. One broken romance has given birth to two fast friendships. And now you know who Ocean Vuong is, too. In 2019, another friend will ask if you would like to accompany her to hear Ocean Vuong read from On Earth We're Briefly Gorgeous at Books Are Magic on Smith Street. She is a friend, even though you used to ask her out frequently, and you thought you might even be in love. And you write her bad love poems, drunk, at three in the morning. And after she acquiesces to one afternoon date walking through the Brooklyn Botanical Gardens and admiring the bonsai trees and sharing a small lunch on Lincoln Place, she falls for someone else, and you decide to let it go, and time moves on, and you have instead learned to love without having to have. And in 2013, you are in the community bookstore on the corner of Warren Street, and you are in love, so much so that you decide to become a poet, and you bounce between Bukowski and Baudelaire looking for a roadmap. But the love you call a tiger in every line you write shows you that Liesl Mueller has what it takes to soothe the soul. And the two of you eat acid at the Museum of Natural History and marvel at the life of blue whales. And you come down in their dad's basement on Douglas Street and the tiger calls you an artist and you are in love. And the last time you make love is in the bathroom at Brooklyn Social across the street from Carroll Park. But you don't know it's the last time. And friendship is a thing far away. And you don't know who Ocean Vuong is either. And in 2023, I ask you to accompany me to hear Ocean Vuong read from A Little Closer to the Edge at 100 Bogart Street in Bushwick. Your not-yet-friend and her forever roommate have moved to Texas. And the friend you love without having to have has gone back to Connecticut. And the tiger who called you an artist is in the wilds of Los Angeles. And the woman who is long and beautiful is beyond your sight. But I am here with you. And friendships last and are good. And heartbreaks last and are good too. And maybe poetry is better than both, but probably not. And Cobble Hill is just the place. And I am here with you. And you know who Ocean Wong is too. Thank you. Thank you, Phil. That was a beautiful Thank poem. you, Phil. Uh, uh, can you mute yourself, Phil? Because I'm hearing my echo <laughs> through your through your thing. Um, what a great tribute to our friends Tim and Laura Gerber Flurry, um, who are down in Austin. How are they doing? Have you talked to them recently? 
Uh, yeah, Tim and I are big uh, Academy Award junkies, so we, we were going back and forth about our ballots quite a bit, and uh, you know they're 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 doing really well. They have a hyperactive dog that's that's keeping them busy, but uh, they seem to be doing pretty happy. And they they might possibly come up and visit this summer, so fingers crossed that they'll do that. Nice, I hope so. Uh, that was also a great sort of emotional tour through the last. Uh, like eight or so years. It's like, it seemed like your romantic life has basically paralleled Brooklyn Poets' existence. <laughs> so that uh, was an interesting, uh, like kind of like a reverb effect for, for me. Um, but yeah, really interesting. Uh, it's a way to sort of go back through that history. Um, okay, thanks very much, Phil. Um, so now I'm gonna play a recording of Robin Romeo reading Preparing for Church. Um, as I mentioned at the beginning of the event, uh, Robin was uh, awarded our Yawper of the Year Award at the end of last year, which is an award that we give to, uh, again, an outstanding poet in our community who is also a loving supporter of other poets. He's also a Brooklyn Poets Fellow, as you see here in this bio. He won a fellowship to take Jay Deshpande's workshop on the sonnet last year um and uh we have renamed the opera of the year award the robin romeo award um so i thought to honor him tonight um we play a recording of robin reading this poem this absolutely beautiful poem uh influenced and inspired by robert hayden called preparing for church uh and i thought after the poem we'd have a, a brief moment of silence as well to, to honor robin's memory so uh, I'm going to play this and we'll have a listen. Preparing for church. Epigraph. And polish my good shoes as well. Robert Hayden. Friday afternoons, I polish our shoes for next day's church the way my father taught me. The birds he favors seem comforted by his feet perfect in size, leather through and through, steel taps on the heels. During the brief walk, they accentuate his rhythm, which is unlike any church song, more freedom bent, his jaw loosened the first time all week. The African will make a drum of anything, every surface, a fabric, every fabric fashionable into a vibratory membrane. Anything that triggers resonance in heart tuned ear. The taps draw attention even from the crispness of his suit, built entirely by him with hard-earned skill sharpened by patience. The time signature, especially when we get to a particular section of cobblestone, is 4-4, with an occasional scrape on the 16th note immediately preceding the fourth beat, a sort of andante carnival road march. It's the Friday following another whipping, my rebellious nature tensed, almost to tearing. Another thing I did triggered in him the compulsion to remove his belt and raise welts on my back. I've grown immune to sting and burning that lasts a day or two. I've lost immunity against the feeling of brokenness associated with polishing his shoes, hesitant about telling him. I'm exposed in the quality of care I give them. When he calls me to announce he'll polish his own shoes, 
going forward. He does it with a lower pitch, without the glare against which my chest is packed with insulation. He said goodbye to something, some version of his son, then ordered himself not to think of the irrevocable jettisoning. I nearly missed the difference, except I'm trained to be attentive to his every word. It's as if my hands are unbound for the first time in a room whose doors and windows are missing. It may be too much to hope he won't beat me anymore. Maybe I've already removed my shirt, forced hands to my side, and submitted for the last time. I'll never stop wondering, though, whether the fabric of my skin is uncovered to make the slap of leather more painful, or for the sake of commitment to high quality in the form of purer sound. Robin Romeo, everyone. Um, one line that really sticks out to me in this poem among many lines that stick out is this particular line. I'm exposed in the quality of care I give them. Uh, and that quality of care is the thing that, that I really remember the most about Robin. Um, it's, it's a really rare quality, I think for, for any human to have uh, and, and I think especially poets, uh, I guess you would hope that all poets have this, this care, but uh, I, I've taught enough poetry students to, to just, you know, be driven to uh, just extreme frustration by the, by the lack of care that I often see uh, just about, you know, things that don't seem to matter you know, in life or on the page. And, you know, it's very easy to say, oh, well, this, this is just a comma or something. It doesn't matter that much, or this is just a poem. No one's going to care. But uh, that quality of care is really, I think, where the, the human um, shines the most and, and really, um, you know, has a gravity to it and a, and a lastingness. So, um, you know, when I, when I read this poem again, uh, after hearing of Robin's passing, that was, that was the line that really jumped out again. Um, and also that last line, the high quality in the form of pure sound, especially in, in terms of what he's describing there. Um, okay. Um, Robin Romeo, uh, rest in peace. So, uh, I'm going to go back through the uh, open mic lineup uh, in case uh, you want to cast your vote for poem of the month. Um, just give me a second because I have to, you know, find it. Um, in fact, let me just look on this screen over here. So, 
we last heard from Phil Eggers. And before Phil, we heard Morgan Boyle. Uh, before Morgan was Samantha Marin. Before Samantha was Mike Frasentes. Before Mike was Surrenderia Rao, Arthur Russell. Before Arthur was Yana Kane, Seth Leeper. Before Seth was Todd Friedman, Melanie Lee. Before Melanie was Harvey Sauce, Kayla Schwab, Dean Schabner, Aishvarya Aurora, Frank Rubino, Judy Schneier, Ron Bremner, Stella Lee, and all the way back to the beginning, Cassidy Gabriel. Um, so if you'd like to vote for a poem of the month, the way to do that is just text me at 718-374-1953. I'll put the number in the chat one more time. Just text me the poet's name and that uh, constitutes your vote. If you read tonight, you can vote for yourself if you like. Some people ask, it's totally fine. Um, a couple of announcements before we go. Um, our next YAWP is, I think this is one that is five weeks away. Yes, it's one of those month intervals. It's on June 14th. It's always the second Monday of the month. It will be led by Imani Davis, another one of our new teachers who is leading a workshop called Fireside Brats. It's another great title for a workshop. Uh, if you attended our last Staff Picks event, you heard Imani read, an amazing poet, uh, an amazing reader, uh, just an amazing presence overall. So uh, that workshop is filling up pretty quickly if you're interested. I think there's just a few spots left. So uh, come out for that uh, June 14th. Uh, again, 7 p.m. If you would like to read for the open mic, uh, I suggest signing up right now. You can do that at brokenpoets.org. The open mic lineup fills really quickly. Again, uh, if you're interested in applying for a fellowship to take a workshop for free this summer or at reduced cost, uh, we are accepting applications for fellowships through this Sunday, May 16th. Uh, again, as I said in the beginning of the op, we've only, I think the last I checked, had two applications. So that is a, a really rare occurrence. Maybe we're just going to get a bunch in the next few days. Certainly could happen. Uh, but I encourage you to apply if, if you're interested in that. Um, also, in two Sundays, May 23rd, our next craft lab with Jay Deshpande is coming up. Uh, that is going to be on poetic turns in the shape of the poem. Uh, if you attended the first craft lab with Jay, you know it was amazing. Uh, some of the students from the mentorship program are here tonight. I'm sure they can attest to that. Um, and uh, I believe that is all the announcements I have for now. Uh, again, if you would like to donate to uh, the fund, the GoFundMe for Robin Romeo, uh, to fund more scholarships uh, in his honor, let me share that link again. Uh, it's this GoFundMe started by Emily Cerniker and friends of hers at Brooklyn Public Library. Uh, let me just click on this real quick and throw it in the chat so you have it uh, if you're interested in clicking on that. Uh, but again, if, if, if you don't have this link, you can just Google Robin and uh, GoFundMe and should, you should be able to find it. Um, thanks to Carly for leading a great workshop. Uh, join me in thanking her in the chat if you like. Um, thanks to Patty McCarthy and Rayal. I saw joined us. Rayal is uh, Robin's daughter. I think I saw you 
join us. Yes, there you are. How are you doing, Riel? Doing all right, thank you. Uh, I'm glad you could join us tonight. Um, and thanks to all of you. Um, it's, it's, it was a heavy evening, obviously, but uh, thanks to all of you for sharing it with us tonight. And uh, be safe, be well, and we will see you in June. All right, take care. There you have it. The Brooklyn Poets Yop Open Mic for May 10th. Thanks to our new professor, Carly Hoffman, for leading a great workshop uh, on the excruciating. That's the title of her five-week workshop uh, this summer for Brooklyn Poets. That starts tomorrow, June 2nd. It is sold out, uh, but Luckily, she has elected to teach a second section of the workshop, uh, so if you didn't get a chance to sign up for that, uh, the, the section starting in June, she will be leading another section starting on July 7th, running on Wednesday nights. Uh, congrats to Surendria Rao for winning May Yop Palm of the Month for his beautiful poem for his mother called All That's Left. Surendria's earned free admission to a future Yop a Brooklyn Post tote bag and a spot in our 2021 Poem of the Year contest, which comes your way in December. Uh, a couple more announcements. We have our next Brooklyn Poets Reading Series event coming your way this Thursday, June 3rd. And I say this Thursday if you're listening to this before that. If you're listening to this after June 3rd, then uh, you can pretty much just ignore this announcement. But uh, this is the next installment of our reading series featuring C. One of our teachers, also known as Constantine Jones, Jordan E. Franklin, uh, Brooklyn Poet student, Yopper, uh, and I've uh, got a new book out, it's fantastic, and uh, Mark Bibbins, whom I'm sure most of you know, if not all of you. Uh, a couple more announcements. Um, a lot of our early summer workshops have sold out. The early registration deadline has passed. We've announced our fellowships, but uh, Rosebed Bononi, sorry, Rosebed Bud Benoni, not Rosebed, Rosebud Benoni, and Star Davis are also teaching second sections of their workshops starting in July because both of their workshops uh, running in June have sold out. So if you want more information about those workshops and others coming up, check out brooklynpost.org. Our next YOP comes your way on July 14th. Sorry, I don't know what's wrong with me. Comes your way on June 14th. That will led, be led by another new teacher for Book and Poets called uh, Amani Davis. He's a fantastic poet. I'm sure is uh, a great teacher as well. Uh, that also will be on Zoom. We're going to keep doing these on Zoom. Uh, we need to find a venue partner for the YOP since uh, we're not sure if 61 Local is reopening or not. And if they are, when? So uh, we'll be doing these on Zoom until further notice. Uh, if you like what you've heard, uh, we'd love it if you'd subscribe to us on iTunes. Rate us five stars if you can. Helps more uh, listeners find uh, these wonderful poets who read every month. Uh, thanks for listening, and uh, hopefully we will see you on Zoom in June. Take care. <laughs>